Well, amen, everyone, and good morning once again. Uh, let me go ahead and invite everybody to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. That's where we'll be in our time this morning. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. As we continue in our sermon series through the book of Ephesians called Grace Through Faith, a gift from God. So as you turn there, uh, let me ask God for his help this morning as we seek to hear his word. Let's pray again. Father, we, uh, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to hear your word preached. And um, God, I pray that you would bless it and that you would um, yeah, be pleased, Lord, uh, through the proclamation of your word. I pray, God, that it would fall on rich soil uh, and that it would blossom, that it would take root uh, in all of our hearts and that we might obey um, and that we might be encouraged, that we might be edified, that we might be convicted um, and brought to repentance. Um, yeah, Lord, we, we, we pray that you will, yeah, that your word would do the work in our hearts in all the ways that you see fit. And so, God, we, we ask that now. God, be glorified now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together. Oh, thank you. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, good? Okay. Good, good, good. All right, so as we as we walk through this passage, if you're taking notes uh, in your phone or if you have something to write on, uh, here's the main idea of our passage this morning is this, is that God by his grace, through his mercy, and in his love saves us. Once again, God by his grace, through his mercy, and in his love, he saves us. He saves us. So this is what we'll see as we walk uh, through this passage this morning. Uh, and, and that's the good news, right? Amen. That God, by his grace, uh, in his mercy, um, in his love, he, he saved us. But in order for us to appreciate the good news, we, we, we got we to gotta know the bad news. We got to know the bad news. And so if you're taking notes in your phone or on a piece of paper, here's how you might 
outline your notes. And so you would put bad news and underline it. And then under that, point one. Point one would be this. Without Christ, we are all spiritually dead. Without Christ, we are all spiritually dead. And we'll see that in verses one through three. And then uh, for points two and three, here's how you might outline it. You put good news and underline good news, that word, those two words. Point number two, under that heading, with Christ, we are all made spiritually alive. With Christ, we are all made spiritually alive. We'll see that in verses four through seven. And then point three, we were saved in Christ for good works. We were saved in Christ for good works. And we'll see that in verses eight through 10. All right. So, so, so the bad news, point number one, without Christ, we are all spiritually dead. Look back with me at verse one. What does it say? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Notice that the verse starts off with, and you were, and you were referring to the Ephesian believers and to believers today. Uh, see that you were is in the past tense. You see that there, that that is in the past tense. And you'll see that all throughout verses one through three, that you'll see that that language of you were or you once lived in this way, meaning that believers then and believers gathered here this morning. Uh, we were all what comes next in the verse before we came to know Christ. We were all what comes next. We were in our past before Christ saved us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. So the word the word trespasses here uh, is, is not the same word that you would use for, you know, if, if you were trespassing here at Oxen Run Park uh, or any in, in some other property or something like that. It's not the same idea there, but it's more so uh, trespasses, meaning that uh, there's an offense towards God. Uh, we have offended God with our sinful lives. And then the word sins here means that, man, we, we missed the mark. We have we have sinned against God. We have missed the mark. And so we we have trespasses and we have sins. And this has been what's been true of all of us before we came to Christ or for some who may not have come to Christ. Uh, the word dead here means dead in a spiritual sense, meaning none of us before Christ had spiritual life. So so just imagine now if there was a, a, a dead body right in front of us right now, one, we probably wouldn't all be sitting all casual right now. We'd probably all be like, oh, what's, good? what's going on? There's a dead body. Um, but on a serious tip, if there was a if there was a dead body laying right here in front of us and we called out to that person, we screamed, we hollered, we did everything in our power to, uh, man, get that person's attention. Um, man, they, they wouldn't respond. They, they wouldn't be able to respond. They wouldn't be able to hear uh, our calling to them. They wouldn't be able to know that, man, there are a bunch of believers here this morning saying, yo, get up. Like. Get from off the ground. Do you hear us? And it's in the same way that before we came to Christ, you and I couldn't hear God. We couldn't respond to God. We couldn't. Yeah, we, we, we couldn't accept him. We couldn't come to him because we were all spiritually dead, spiritually dead, unable 
to respond to the good news of the Lord Jesus. And this is just all true of, of us. And it's been true of everyone who has ever lived, everyone who's ever existed before they come to Christ or if they're not in Christ, man, they are spiritually dead, spiritually dead. So once again, we were all spiritually dead. But the good news is that, man, like Jesus comes. Right. And and the only way that we could be awakened the only way that we could come to life is unless God breathe life on our dead corpses. That's the only way unless the one who gives life grants life. And by God's grace, he did that in the lives of believers this morning. So we praise God for that. Amen. 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 So I, I, when we hear things like that, tough sayings like that, right, that we were all dead in our sins and trespasses. Um, that's a that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's biblical and it's true. Um, we know that the world might tell us something different. The world tells us that we're good. You know, what I mean, that we're we're you know innately good and um, we, we this, that and the third. Um, but that's not true of of us. If we line our lives up against God's standard. So if we line each other stand, uh, you know, against one another standard. Yeah, we might be like, yeah, that person's good. That person's good. But. Up against God's standard, man, no one is good. Brother Josh read that passage, you know, just before the sermon about, man, like, there's no one righteous. There's no one good. <clears throat> and if we, if we were to, you know, do a good person test right now, you know, up against God's standard, man, we would all fall short. Because we've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all, like, you know, uh, sinned against God. We've broken all his commands. James 2.10 is clear that if you break one commandment, you're guilty of all 10 of them, Jones. You're guilty of all of them. And so we need, we need uh, to be forgiven. And God grants that forgiveness in Christ. So then what do uh, spiritually dead people do? What do spiritually dead people do? Look back with me at verses 2 through 3. Here's what it reads. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So, so based on these verses, we see three characteristics of spiritually dead people. We see three characteristics of spiritually dead people or how spiritually dead people maneuver. Here are those three things. One, you follow the world. You follow the world. We see that in verse 2b. You see that there? It says that following the course of this world. And then number two, you follow Satan. You follow Satan. You see that in verse 2c through 2d, where it says following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then number three, you follow your flesh. You follow your flesh. And we see that in verse three. And so let's let's spend some time briefly looking at these. <clears throat> Excuse me. You follow the world. So listen to 2B again. It says following the course of this world. So so there's a worldly course of way that those of us who are not Christians follow. 
And before we were Christians, we followed. There's a worldly way uh, that is, is, is prevalent and is, uh, man, in our world that those who don't know the Lord Jesus walk in and follow after. I did before I was a Christian and everyone else here this morning gathered. You did before you was a Christian. So there's a worldly way to live and there's a godly way to live or how Jesus puts it in Matt, puts it in Matthew seven. He says a wide gate and a narrow gate. Listen to what he says in Matthew seven, 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Do you see that there? That man, like, there's, there's, there's one gate that's wide and that way is easy. Man, many people are, are headed down that gate, down that path. But where does it lead? It leads to destruction. And that's where we were all headed. For those of us who know the Lord Jesus this morning, we were all headed on that same path. But then you see here, there's a narrow way. And, and, and that way is harder, but it leads to life. It leads to the Lord Jesus. It leads to life with him for all eternity. So there is no in-between. Either you are with Christ or you are not with Christ. You can't have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. It just doesn't work like that. Some of us who are Christians this morning uh, maybe trying to fit in the world. You're trying to be like the world. But that wasn't what God uh, called you to. That wasn't what God intended for your life. The world doesn't accept you just like it didn't accept Jesus. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. The world didn't accept Christ. And it, didn't, it doesn't accept us, those of us who are living Christ's way. So being in Christ and living Christ's way is enough. And sharing Christ's message will draw non-Christians, not trying to be like them. Now, what, I'm not, what I want to be clear when I say that is, is, is not that we can't relate because we can relate, right? We're human beings. We're all created in the image of God. Um, and so we relate to those who may not be following Christ. But that doesn't mean that we relate in such a way that we uh, live like them or live like the way we used to live. Right. Man, like living Christ's way, living a, a holy life that's in Christ, man, it attracts sinners. It attracts people who are far away from God because they're wanting to see the real thing. They may have not seen the real thing, you know, in, in previous, you know, church relationships or whatever the case may be. They may have experienced some church hurt based on that. But for us as genuine Christians who are who are seeking to live our lives, pleasing God, uh, we're not perfect. We're imperfect. But, man, we are seeking to be faithful. Man, that attracts non-Christians. And so may we be the type of church that that lives our lives uh, pleasing to God and and seeks to relate to people. But but not relate in the way that compromises our Christian walk. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what God that's what God calls us to. That's what he calls us to. And I'm gonna try to keep my papers here so they won't be flying away on me. 
<laughs> it might fly. Um, so amen. So which, which leads to our second characteristic of spiritually dead people. You follow Satan. That's number two. You follow Satan. Listen to verses uh, of verse 2C and 2D. It says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So Satan is who Paul is referring to by using the title prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. Uh, here's how the Africa Bible commentary puts it. Keep my notes. OK, here's how the Africa Bible commentary puts it. Uh, it says in speaking about that title, Prince of the Power of the Air, the latter expression describes someone who exerts influence in the atmosphere as well as on the earth and who thus influences the whole world. This ruler is Satan and it is his unholy spirit that makes people disobedient to God. There is a strong spiritual correlation between disobedience to God and slavery and bondage to Satan. His aim is to make a sinful life seem so natural that when their behavior is challenged, people will simply reply, but that is how the world works. And so this is who is at work in our world, right? Uh, essentially what this means is that Satan is the ruler of the worldly way uh, that we just chopped it up about, right? He's the one influencing, promoting, and encouraging all the evil, the wickedness, and wrong in our day. And for all who are not in Christ, as hard as this may be to hear, uh, this, is, this is who influences your life. The enemy, Satan. And sidebar, Satan doesn't like you. Uh, he wants to destroy your life just like he wanted to destroy our lives before we knew Christ. And even while we're in Christ, first Peter five tells us that he's prowling around seeking someone to devour. So he's not for us. Uh, he wants to devour us. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, man, like Satan has a, a, a lock on your life right now. But Jesus can break that lock. Jesus can break that lock. He can free you of the grip that Satan has on your life. And we'll talk more about that in just a second in point uh, two. But the third and last characteristic of spiritually dead people is this. This is the last characteristic. You follow your flesh. You follow your flesh. You know the saying that we hear some people say when uh, they do something wrong and get caught? What do they say? Uh, the devil made me do it. <laughs> We've heard that, right? That, that's, that's partly correct. He may have influenced you or enticed you to do something, but guess what? It didn't take much of his influencing on you for you to do whatever that thing was, because guess what? You wanted to do it. You, you, you wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. And here's why. Look at verse three. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. <clears throat> One second. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> My allergy tripping now, Josh. <laughs> Man, 
All right. So so you and I are apart apart from Christ, live out the passions of our flesh, the desires of our flesh and the mind that are unpleasing to God. So what are some examples of this? What are, what are some of those examples? Here they are. Paul mentions uh, these examples in Galatians five. And so keep your finger on uh, Ephesians two and then just turn back a page and you'll see Galatians chapter five or scroll there in your mobile device or whatever. But <clears throat> here are those examples listed in Galatians five. Here's what they read. So Galatians five, 19 through 21, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you see that there? You see that these are the, the, the things, the, the, the passions of our flesh that we carried out before we knew Christ. These are the, 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 the I guess, the, the fruit, if you will, of, of, of that lifestyle. And as the passage says, as we just read, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, if you look back at verse three of chapter two in Ephesians, the text says we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, which means we were all born sinners. We were all born sinners destined for wrath, destined for God's judgment. The reality of it is, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, they wrecked it for all of humanity and we have inherited their sin. The reality is, is that, man, when we were little kids, nobody had to teach us how to lie. Nobody had to teach us how to steal. It was in us because we were born that way. We were born seeking uh, to, to live a life that is in opposition to God. So we were born sinners. We were born destined for God's wrath, uh, God's punishment that's due to sinners. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Christ, the truth of the matter is, is that God's wrath is abiding over your head right now. And you would face his wrath if you were to die in your sins right now. And that's 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 death. And that's death ultimately in hell. And hell is a place that you don't want to go. This is a place where the Bible tells us uh, elsewhere that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Eternal torment. And what's worse is that God won't be there. God won't be there. And you'll be separated from him forever. Never to have a chance to be saved again. And we don't want that for you this morning if you don't know him. And so the only way to change that is if, if you accept the good news, accept the good news. And so here's the second part of our, our sermon this morning, or the passage this morning. Good news. And so point number two, with Christ, we are all made spiritually alive. 
with Christ. We are all made spiritually alive. Look back with me at verse four. Here's what it reads. It says, but God, but God. Now that's the best two words in all of scripture. But God, but God changes everything, yo. It changes everything in the verses before. It changes our whole trajectory. And so here are three ways that this changes everything for us. Here are those three ways. God saves us in Christ. See that in verses four through five. Number two, God raises us and seats us with Christ. We see that in verse six. Number three, God will show more and more grace towards us in Christ forever. And we see that in verse seven. So, but first off, as you see in the text, it mentions God's character, doesn't it? What does it say? It says he's, he's rich in mercy and he has great love. This is who our God is. Amen. He's merciful and he's loving and he's gracious. He's rich in mercy, meaning he'll never run out of giving you and me what we don't deserve. That's what mercy means, getting what you don't deserve. So he's, he's balling in mercy right now. And his bank account of mercy will never go bankrupt. He'll never go broke. And he has great love. Some of us just needed to hear that this morning and be reminded of that this morning. That God loves us. And that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place for our sins. And this is what verse 5 is all about. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So this is the this is the good news. This is the good news that we were, uh, man, we were created uh, in God's image. That man, we have we have fallen, we've sinned against a holy God, and we deserve His righteous wrath that's due to us sinners but jesus comes takes our place dies the death that we deserved lays in a grave is resurrected on the third day and through his life death burial and resurrection he offers life to all who would repent repent meaning to turn away from sin and to turn to him by faith this is the good news that if we if, if, if we're living a life full of sin and if, if the enemy has our life on lock, that this is the good news. This is the key to 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 or this is the this is the way to break that lock. Through the gospel, through what Christ has done on our behalf. So I invite anyone, anyone who has not put their trust in him. To put your trust in him. He will save you. Amen. And by God's grace, he has saved those of us who have who have trusted him. And may this good news, may it never, may it never grow old on us. May we always, always uh, find our hope and our joy and our satisfaction in this truth. So not only did he save us, but <clears throat> excuse me, number two. He raised and seated us with Christ. Look at verse six. Verse six, it says, and he raised us up with him 
and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This points us back to verse three of chapter one that we looked at a few weeks ago. This is how we receive all the spiritual blessings in Christ. So salvation that we talked about uh, and have been talking about uh, because God has united us in Christ by raising us with him and seating us with him. Sorry, y'all. Allergies, man. So here's how Dr. Tony Evans puts it. When, when, when God saved you, he relocated you. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens. Paul said previously that Jesus was seated in the heavenly places with resurrection power and dominion. So that's chapter 1, 20 through 21. Now he says God relocated us there too in Christ Jesus. Believers are participants with Christ in this spiritual reality. We are linked with him in union with him. This is how you have access to our spiritual privileges, to every spiritual blessing. Chapter one, verse three, that God has placed in your account. So this is Dr. Tony Evans from his Bible commentary. Uh, this is this is what God has done, that he saved us. And then because he saved us, we are united in Christ. We're united in him. And man, he, he has raised us and he has seated us with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. And this is an amazing, mind-blowing thing to think that he has taken us believers, all of us who are believers this morning, and we're united in him. And, and in some amazing, interesting way, when, when, when Christ died and when he was buried, uh, we were we and, and when we received that, then we died to ourselves and we were buried. And as Christ was raised, we were raised in new life with him. And he seated us with him. And so those spiritual blessings that we talked about uh, in, in verses three through 14 of, of chapter one, all of that is, is given to us and true to us because Christ has uh, seated us with him. That's good news this morning to know that everything that is in Christ, man, God has granted it to us. Amen. Amen. So then lastly, God will show us more and more grace in Christ forever. Look back at verse seven. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Which which this means, man, Christians, we haven't seen anything yet in eternity. When we're with God, he will show us more and more and more grace in Christ forever and ever and ever. We will be man, more grace dispensed to us in all of eternity. And so we're not there yet, but that's where we're heading, where we will receive and experience more grace in Christ forever and ever. Which leads to our third and final point this morning. We were saved in Christ for good works. We were saved in Christ for good works. Look at verses eight through 10. So verse eight is where the sermon series names, uh, the name comes from. And, and, and this is the truth that salvation is really a gift from God. 
It's a gift from God. Look at verse eight with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. What does it say? It is a gift of God. So we're saved by grace through faith. Grace meaning unmerited favor. And it's something none of us could do ourselves. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't work for it. And so verses 8b and 9 are very clear on this. Here's what it says. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So the reality of it this morning, Christians, for all of us who know him, we, we have nothing to boast about in ourselves, but we have everything to boast in the Lord Jesus because of what he has done on our behalf, what he has done in our place. None of us saved ourselves. <laughs> None of us saved ourselves, but it's, it's God who saved us. And we have, uh, man, our boast is in him. And so maybe we continue to boast in him. And I want to be clear on this too. You know, when we think about, uh, when we think about other religions, and as Dr. Tony Evans says, he says, other religions tell you what you must do to get to God. Christianity tells you what God has done to get to you. And this is, this is, this is what's this, what distinguishes us from all other religions is that every other religion is trying to work for God. They're trying to, they're trying to work for their salvation. But man, for the Christian, by God's grace, we man, God has done all the work for us. He saved us. And now, man, we work from that salvation. So it's a working, not a working for, but it's a working from that salvation, that free grace, that gift, that salvation in him that we don't have to work for, but man, that we have to receive by faith and trust and believe day by day. Isn't that good news? <laughs> Such good news that we don't have to work for that this morning. But that man, God has already done it for us. We just have to, as by God's, God's grace we have done, uh, for those of us who know him, we've received it. But man, we got to continue to believe it. We got to continue to receive it day by day by faith, trusting in what Christ has done for us. And then not only that, and, and, and lastly, we were saved to do good works. We were saved to do good works. Notice that I didn't say we were saved by the good works we do. The text is very clear on that. Instead, the better way to interpret this is that God created us in his image uh, and has called us to faith in Christ. And as he called us to faith in Christ, man, our response to that uh, implication of that is that we seek to do good works. So gospel people do good works. Uh, we see that all throughout scripture. We see the Lord Jesus proclaiming the gospel, preaching but also meeting urgent physical needs in scripture. We see, you know, in the book of Titus, you know, Paul tells Titus to, to tell the Christians there to, to, for them to devote themselves to good works. And that's the type of church we desire to be. So we want to be clear on that. Good works doesn't save us. And when we do good works, we're not communicating that those good works will save anybody that we are, 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 you know, seeking to, to help or support anything along those lines. But it's, it's a response from our faith. 
from our Christian faith that compels us to want to do good works, to want to meet needs in the community as our brothers and sisters in this congregation are doing so faithfully. So, so, so this is who God has called us to be as Christians, I believe, that Christians are to devote themselves to, to good works because we serve a good God and he desires good in our lives. He desires that we flourish. He desires that we know him and in knowing him, we live in the intended purpose that God has called us to uh, and the intended flourishing that God has, has called us all to. So once again, gospel people do good works. God has already prepared them for us. What we need to do is just walk in them. Amen. We need to walk in them. So let's pray together as we close, as the, as the team comes back up, the worship team comes back up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the reminder this morning of how we were dead uh, in our sins, destined for wrath, uh, but that your son came, that you sent your son to, to die in our place, um, to take the punishment that we deserved, and that, man, we by your grace have received that uh, because you granted it to us so graciously, so lovingly. And that a result of our faith, an implication of our faith is that we seek to do good works, Lord, in our community and across the world. We know that these good works don't save us and they won't save people, but we pray that as we do good works, that people would, would see our love, the love that you have, have placed in our hearts to show to, to people who are not in you. And God, we pray that you would use that, but that you would use the proclamation of your gospel to save people and to turn people's lives around, to break the chain that the enemy has on them, to break it and to free them to loose them, to save them, and that they would live in the intended purpose that you have called them to, to know you and to make you know. God, thank you for doing that in my life. Thank you for doing that in all the believers' lives here this morning. God, I pray uh, that we would, as we leave today, uh, that we would grip hold of that even more. Uh, thank you for your, your glorious salvation in our lives, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.